0: I want to start a new series uh, today called Church Unleashed, Church Unleashed, and uh, I want you to go in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. I'm just going to let you know if you're going to come to church on January 3rd, the beginning of the year, we're going to come to church, then we better have church. I didn't come to check a box. I didn't come just to do some religious duty. I didn't come just to sing a couple songs and listen to a TED talk. I came to encounter God. So I don't know about you, how you want to start your year. I want to start my year in the presence of God. I need an encounter with Jesus. I need the power and the presence of God. And I'm just going to tell you, our world does not need a passive church, a complacent church, a bored church, a quiet church. Our our world needs an unleashed church. I, mean, I, I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's about time for the church to be what we've been called to be. And uh, Acts chapter 3 is the birth of the early church. And it says one day, and um, I'm going to try to preach my whole message today, but I've, just, I've been stirred up. And uh, we're starting to fast tomorrow. i got vision for this year. I just think God's going to do such incredible things. And I'm starting to read this text in the first service. It says one day. And then I got stuck right there. One day. You know what? Some of us live for some day. God lives for one day. You never know what moment, you never know what service, what hour, what month, what year is going to be your day. where God's going to interrupt your life. And I just want to encourage somebody that's hoping for someday. I'm going to tell you, God sees you right now. He knows where you are. He knows what you've been through. He knows what it took for you to get here. And I'm going to tell you, this could be your one day. This could be the day that God interrupts your life and does something supernatural in and through you. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. You know you're spiritual if you go to church at 3 in the afternoon. It says, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. He was already looking at them, but he said, Peter's intense. Look at me. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. I'm just going to tell you this. This is like the hidden key of why people don't ever receive anything from God, hidden in that text right there says, the man looked at them expecting to receive something from them. You will never receive something from someone that you don't expect to receive. Let me just say, in spiritual terms, you will not receive something from God that you're not expecting to receive. God moves. The currency of heaven is faith. He, he moves through expectation. If I never expect Him to move, it might be that, in my opinion, God doesn't move. But when I look for Him... When I'm when I'm aware of him, I look for him. He, I'll find him. I, he looked at him, expecting to get something from. Him. And then Peter said, "Silver or gold, I do not have." Think about how disappointed he was then. Look at me. I don't have any money. <laughs> Says, "But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk." Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly. I'm believing 2021 is a year of instantly's. <laughs> I like instantlies. Man, y'all can pray for years. I'm, 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 in, I'm in it for some instantlies. I want some suddenlies. It says, instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. I don't know what church that is, but I'm in on that. I'm in on walking and jumping and praising God. It says, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement of what had happened to him. I want to start this year by asking this question, what happened to the wonder? What what, what happened to the, it says the world looked with wonder and amazement at what God had done. And I just want to ask the question just to put it in front of us and to contemplate as we begin this year is where is the wonder? Where's the wonder of the church? Where's the amazement of the world at what God's doing in the church? They were, they were in wonder and amazement because the man who they knew had sat there all his life, every single day, had begged at the temple gates. All of a sudden now he's walking and jumping. And praising God. It's an old Sunday school song. Anybody know it? I almost sang it to you, just, just maybe third service. Walking and leaping and praising God. I'm just gonna tell you wherever He goes to church, that is the church that I want to attend. I want to go to a church where there's walking, where there's jumping and praising God. I don't want to go to a church where there's sitting and watching and observing what God used to do. I want to be a part of the action. I want to be where he is. I want to be in his presence. I want there to be some noise. Somebody like, I don't like those noisy churches. This is a noisy church. And it will be a noisy church next week and the next week. And, and that's just who we are. Now, there are some quiet churches out there. You can find one. They're great. This one's a noisy one. This is a walking and jumping and leaping church. All right, This is a praising church that you just walked into. I, I really believe this. I think our church, our world needs a church that has some walking, some jumping, and some praising because of what God has done. Not for hype, not for show, but because the person that could not walk is now walking. And the world looks with wonder at amazement at what God has done. Church unleashed. I wonder what God created the church to actually look like, to be. You ever think about that, like what it, what it should actually be? Uh, my, my wife and I, our family, we're members of the Dallas Zoo. And uh, we love the zoo. And I'll tell you why we love the zoo. Because Jamie and the boys love the zoo. So we all love the zoo. But, I mean, just to be honest with you, um, I would rather see animals in their natural habitat. That's just me. I, I, like, I like the lions, and I usually go to the cage where the lions are supposed to be, and through the, the whatever is on the screen or the windows from the three-year-olds that have been there right before me, I'm peering through the smudges to look at fields or hills that should have lions on them, but they're not. And someone's like, well, just yesterday he came out. I'm like, well, where is he? We pay like $95 to get in here and see the animal that you have in the cage. He's, like, He's taking a nap. Like, did you sleep all day? Like, when do, when do we get to see him? Then a little kid runs by, you know, and they're like, I think I see him. You see like a paw sticking out from the other side. And it's like, oh, the zoo. I'm, I just, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. And it's it's crazy because the zoo, the, the, the phenomena of the zoo is that animals that you would be scared of in the wild, you enjoy watching in the safety of the zoo. So we, we take an animal that is in the wild, and uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in for any animal rights or activists. Okay, this is, there's an analogy in this. Okay, so if you love the zoo, that's great. I'm good with that. But we take these animals that are in the wild, and we bring them into places where people can observe them safely. And the animal that's supposed to run unleashed becomes an observation tool of entertainment. And I'm just wondering if the church that was supposed to run unleashed has become too safe and domesticated that now we just put up viewing glass to see if the tiger will do anything funny today or fancy today, if the word will minister to, to me today, and we watch something that should be so raw so real, so unleashed, so passionate, so, you know, you can see a lion at the zoo and you laugh. See a lion in the wild? We, we were at the Dallas Zoo and this monkey came running from this, I don't know if it's a monkey or a baboon or whatever, but it had like, it was like blue on the face, all this, and, and, and it's like no hair back there. And he came running and picked up a rock, this is no joke, picked up a rock and threw it against the glass. I'm like, okay, guys, you got the dosage wrong. You need to fix this. This is bad. And my boys are laughing and clapping. I'm like, man, can he can he get out of here? In the zoo, it's funny. In the wild, that's scary. I'm just worried that the church has become too domesticated. No nobody's nobody's worried about the church anymore. It's just entertainment. That's your truth. That's what you do. If you need that, that's fine. The church of Jesus Christ, this, the thing that Jesus is building, the thing that is advancing, the vehicle in which God uses to advance his gospel, we become domesticated. You know what domesticated means? It means to become ordinary. The thing that once caused wonder and amazement has now just become ordinary. Oh, yeah, we're going to church. People come to church, people sleep through church, people sleep in church, people, people check the box, people are not involved, people not engaged, people rail against church, love church, people call it a cult, people still join anyways, people leave the cult. It's like, what is the church? What is the church of Jesus Christ? The church, it's his body, it's you. It's me. The church isn't a brand. The church isn't a building. The church is our disciples of Jesus. The church are people who know who they are. They're Christians, they're little Christ. They're people that come together and say, We're going to worship God. We don't have to have this building. We can worship outdoors. We can worship in homes. We can worship anywhere. God's everywhere. The church is a collection of people, people on mission. People with purpose. And our world, more than ever before, needs a church that's unleashed. It's unleashed. I like coming to church and not knowing what's going to happen. I told myself today that I was going to preach and I was going to break some of the rules that we have. Because we have all these rules and all these campuses and and all of these counters and countdowns and timers and everything has to be smooth with the cameras and worldwide and this. And then I'm like, I'm just going to break some rules today because church has become too safe. It's become too predictable. It's become too boring. It's become ordinary. And where the power of God is, that is where wonder and amazement comes in. Where the presence of God is, that's what wakes us up. Where the power of God is, that's what stirs us. Anybody can get together and have a TED talk about morality. Where the presence of God is, there's life. Peter and John, they're walking and they are, this is what the, the scripture said in verse one. It says that they were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three. It was their rhythm to pray, it was part of their pattern, it was part of what they did. They were in a rhythm of prayer. They were in a new city, but they came to the house of God and they were in a pattern of prayer, a rhythm. Of, rhythms create results. Some of you are looking for New Year's resolutions. It might be important to note that a New Year's resolution does nothing for you without a New Year's rhythm. It's the rhythm that produces results that will help you achieve your resolution. If you're trying to get in shape in 2021, you're gonna need a rhythm. A resolution does nothing for you without a rhythm. If you're gonna seek God in 2021 and you're gonna grow spiritually, you are going to need a rhythm. The rhythm is gonna help you achieve your resolution. If you're gonna try to save money and make moves financially, you need a rhythm. So I'm like, 2021 ah, is my year, financial breakthrough, and you're buying lottery tickets. It's fine, whatever you do. I'm just going to tell you, it's the rhythm that produces results. It's, 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 Peter and John, they went up to the temple at the time of prayer because they were in a rhythm of praying. If you as a believer would get in a rhythm, God would start bringing miracles right to your door. Because verse 2 says that they happened upon this poor beggar who had begged there every single day. This was his life. Can you imagine this? You wake up, your friends carry you to the gate where you beg all day, hoping to get enough money so you can buy some food, so you can go home and sleep, so you can wake up and your friends can carry you back. That does not sound like a good life to me. I'm going to tell you, if you know me at all, I can't do the same thing for very long. I mean, by the third service, I, I, I can't even, I got to change my message. I mean, it's just, I'm tired of hearing myself talk. It's just, we, we got we to, I like, I like life to be spontaneous. I, I like it to be different. I don't like the rut. And this man, every single day, did the same thing. Get up, go beg, go home, go to bed. Get up, go beg, go home. Every day, expecting the same thing, receiving the same thing, and living the same life. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And it just so happens that the rhythm that was producing results in Peter and John begin to hit against the cycle of this man. The rhythm, rhythms are positive, cycles are negative. Some of you, you you came today and you know you just have cycles, cycles in your life. It just always happens. You say that about yourself. I just always do this. I always respond this way. It's a, it's a, it's a cycle. This man was in a, in a cycle, a cycle that needed to be broken, a cycle that he needed to be broken out of. But he was unable to break out of it on his own. He was lame, crippled in his legs since birth. He had never walked. So he had friends that thought they were helping him by carrying him to the same spot so he could do the same thing. But I'm going to tell you this is sometimes friends that think they're helping you are are actually hurting you. Because if they're only enabling you to stay in your same dysfunction, how are they actually helping you? Who wants to live a life of begging over and over and over and never getting healed? When you come to Jesus, friend, his plan is not to keep you in the same pattern, in the same methodology, at the same level, at the same status. When you come to Jesus, he sees through you. And he sees your potential. And he sees what you can be. And God never looks at crippled legs or lame hearts or lame minds and says that'll do. Your dysfunction is an invitation for the power of a living God that loves you and believes in you. That sees you. That knows your path and knows your journey. And Peter and John and their rhythm happen upon the man in his cycle of poverty. A cycle of poverty. Rhythms produce results and cycles produce prisoners. Cycles, you ever been a prisoner to a cycle? Many people have settled for a silver and gold mentality of just another handout to get you to another Sunday so that you can get to another Sunday and another Sunday. And I'm gonna tell you this God has something more for you. Peter and John walk up to him, and the first thing they do is they admit what they don't have. They say, hey guys, Silver and gold, have I none? The guy was probably disappointed. He's like, man, that's, what, that's all I'm asking for. <laughs> yeah, sorry, bro, don't have it. Can you imagine going through a drive through chick Chick-fil-A, which you should never talk about Chick-fil-A on Sundays because it's clo- closed on Sundays. da 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 Go to Chick-fil-A, and you, can, I, can I get a Big Mac? Man, we don't have a Big Mac. You don't, you don't, that's the only thing I came for was a Big you, came, you went to the wrong place. This guy's asking for silver and gold. We do not have... Silver and gold. You know what? If, if you're going to be used by God, you got to recognize what you don't have. It's okay to not know. You're not disqualified because you don't have all the answers or you don't have all the theological rebuttals or you can't win uh, arguments about eschatology and homiletics. And you, 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 It's okay. It's okay. Just admit what you don't know. It's okay to not because what they give him is they say, I don't have silver and gold. And then they say this, but what I do have. You do have something. He says, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I think this is awesome because he says, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Well, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We know that from Christmas. We know Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But he grew up in Nazareth. It was also said, what good can come from Nazareth? And I think it was awesome that they said, hey, I don't have what you need, but what I do have I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, all the doubters, all the people that didn't believe in him, all of the people that said, what good can come from Nazareth? Just so you know, it's this guy. That's about to heal you. I don't know who's counted you out or who's discredited you or who didn't believe in you. I want you to know this. I don't care where you come from, what you've done, what you've been through. I don't care how bad the last chapter was, how bad your past is, what you've done, what you didn't do. I want you to know this. God still has a plan for you. And God sees you. And Jesus was from Nazareth, and he was counted out. But he walked in power and authority and anointing. And it was that Jesus. It was that Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That in in his name they spoke. They had the boldness and the faith to offer what they did have. You know what an unleashed church looks like? An unleashed church looks like radical pursuit. A radical chase after the presence and person of Jesus. An unleashed church looks like untamed passion. Just radical passion. People used to tell me when I was really young, like, you're so passionate. And then you get older, you keep having birthdays, and they're like, you're still passionate. And that they're like waiting. They're waiting for the passion to subside or leave. Hype subsides, passion remains. Pa- I am passionate. You know what? You're called to be passionate. An, un- an unleashed church is full of passion, it's full of un- extravagant generosity, sincere worship, focused. Evangel- what has happened to evangelism? Did you know that we are walking with, working with, living with people that will go to a Christless eternity without the good news of Jesus? We don't even preach about this stuff anymore because it offends people, because the church has been domesticated. No, friends, we need a move of evangelism. We need the church unleashed. We need wonder and amazement. We need revival, not just so we can feel God, but for those that are lost, for those that are hurting, for those who are far from God, to be able to encounter His goodness and His grace like I did, like you did. If you think back, by the time you gave your heart to Jesus, you think, I remember my, my grandmother, she's passed away now, she, she would not go to a grocery store without sharing her faith. I mean, literally, and as a high schooler, I would sometimes like kind of be shy and ashamed because we'd be going through the checkout line and there'd be like 15 people behind us and she'd say, young man, do you know Jesus as your personal savior? And he's like, that'll be 42, 35, man. She's before that, do you know, gee, I was at a store one time. She said this with this guy, and the guy immediately was hit by the power of God. And I remember kind of being ashamed and shy, but I noticed in his face something changed. And they changed positions, and someone took his register, and he just so happened to help us take our groceries to the car. As we're walking from the grocery store to the car, she shares the gospel with him. And there, right beside the car, she leads him to Jesus outside the grocery store. That's, friends, that's church unleashed. I know we think church unleashing, our only perspective is what happens right here, but that's not church unleashed. Church unleashed is you being unleashed. It's the radi- that radical passion, that thing that God put in you becoming awakened inside of you. I know some of you are in church right now, and you're like, why did I come to church today? Who is this guy? He's crazy. It's gonna get worse. Be- because the world is at a place where we can't just be a piece, a part of viewing entertainment for the world. We've got to be the church. We've got to be a lighthouse. We've got to be hands and feet. We've got to be examples of Jesus. We've got to forgive when people curse us. We've got to pray for those who persecute us. We've got to bless those who are against us. We've got to reach to those who we seem are unreachable. We've got to witness to those who seem like they would never accept or never say yes. We have to be Jesus. A beggar who's been lame all his life, and Peter and John said, look at us. Silver and gold, we don't have. But what we do have, we're about to give you. This man looked at them expecting to receive something. We read that earlier. But his expectation was only to get what he'd already gotten. Because your perspective, I call it a perspective block. Sometimes you have a perspective block of what's possible. So we expect God to give us what we have a perspective to understand or receive but god always moves above and beyond our perspective block so sometimes we need an awakening or a stirring or a service an encounter a moment a challenge where something breaks the roof off and we understand and this was for this man it was peter and john and peter and john said hey we don't have silver and gold your perspective has had a block it's been too low. If I give you silver and gold, it will only get you through another day to come do what you've always done. But I'm going to do something for you that will change the trajectory of your entire life. In the name of Jesus Christ, that name is so powerful. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. It says the man's ankles begin to be strong. Now this is crazy. This is, this is a crazy miracle. Not only that he was healed, he never walked. I'm just going to tell you, if you're an adult and you've never walked, and God heals your body, you're 100% good, you're still going to have a hard time walking. You've got no muscle memory. You have no muscle. You're going to need physical therapy. Immediately, he begins to walk and to jump, and no wonder everyone was in wonder and, and amazement because this man who they'd met from a baby grew up at the gate called Beautiful Begging, all of a sudden had his perspective broken through to a place of possibility that not only did... God give him another silver and gold to get through another day, but he gave him a miracle that changed his life. Each of us in this room have places of paralysis, places that have been crippled by life situations, by hurt, by people, by God, by the world, by 2020, by the economy, but there's places that have been crippled. And God doesn't want to. I'm just telling you the heart of God is not to just give you enough to get you through another day. The heart of God is to give you a miracle that will change, change the trajectory of your life. He, he is drawn to every broken place, every bound place, every unforgiven place, every sinful place, every compromised place. He is not appalled by those places. He's dr- this is the goodness of God. He's drawn to those places. You know what's crazy? It says that, that they, they, he was looking for silver and gold. He says, that's not what I have. What I have, I give, give, give. That's an interesting word. Because give works really well with grace. Because you don't earn a gift. It's given. Some of you have already disqualified yourself from the greater level of possibility in God because of something you did or didn't do. We've all made mistakes. Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners. I've made all kinds of mistakes. But you know, God doesn't use us according to our past or according to our difficulties. He sees us and he gives to us each the same. It says they gave him the gift. The gift, the grace of God. If we're going to have a church that's unleashed, this is really what it's going to give and, go, what going to require and this is what I want to give you as we begin to close. To be a church unleashed, we have to be a church that's committed in 2021 more than ever before to fasting and to prayer. A church that, how do you get this power that Peter and John had? It's by fasting and prayer. I mean, can you, and and maybe this has happened before, I, I would not want to be Peter and John and have no silver and gold and nothing else either. I'm too worried that too many Christians are empty handed when they confront life's difficulties and problems. Peter and John weren't worried. Hey, silver and gold have I none, but I came packing, I'm locked and loaded. Oh, I've been ready. I've been in the rhythm of prayer. I've been fasting. I've been seeking God. Jesus even said, this type only happens or comes about by fasting and prayer. Peter and John were full of the Holy Ghost and power. They were ready, locked and loaded. You got a problem? I got an answer. I don't have it in myself, but I know somebody that does. In the name of Jesus Christ. uh How does that happen? It's the rhythm And this is what we're going to need, not just for the next 14 days, but all of 2021, a commitment to prayer and to fasting. Fasting is separating yourself from distractions in place of increased dedication to prayer. So what is it? It is a saying no to something. Some people fast social media. Some people, the the original intent of the word was something to do with food. So you would choose some type of food or all food to say, I'm going to abstain from. And, and so that I can have greater focus and dedica- dedication, consecration to God. Some of your faces just went wide. I, like, wait, give up food? Man, we just came out of Christmas and New Year's. We need it, all right? I was like, I feel like giving up food for a couple of days. Then it's going to come. But fasting is giving up something so that I can focus on God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, the message translation is a paraphrase. It says, when you practice... Some appetite-denying discipline. That's fasting. To better concentrate on God. Don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair. Brush your teeth. Wash your face. This is also altar training ministry right here. It's practicals right now. This is also if you're single. This is really important. Okay? It's like don't, don't let this be the reason. Brush your teeth. Wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He, uh, he won't overlook what you are doing. He'll reward you well. Now, this is interesting. God will reward you. Well, I'm not doing it for a reward. We don't fast for a reward. We don't pray for a reward. But there is a reward that comes with fasting and praying. I'm just going to let you know, my boys, they don't get a reward for obedience. That's just kind of like the rule of our house. It's like, you got to obey your mom and dad. But I also, I also reward their obedience. They don't obey for a reward, but there is a reward that comes with obedience because I'm pleased with them. I'm going to tell you this. Fasting is not to move God. Some religious mindsets say, I'm going to fast, so God, look at what I'm doing. Look at how much I'm suffering, and God's going to give you a breakthrough. Fasting's not for God. Fasting's for us. Fasting is for us to increase our awareness and our focus on God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There is a reward that comes from fasting and prayer, from earnestly seeking God. Well, I'm not doing it for the reward, pastor. You don't have to. There is a reward that comes because God loves you and he's pleased with you. So break out of your religious mindset of whatever thing you grew up in and understand that God is pleased with you. He's happy with you and he wants to reward you because he wants relationship with you. And when you spend time in fasting and prayer, it restores relationship and there's reward that comes with it. Jensen Franklin says, I'm more convinced than ever that fasting is a gateway through which God increases his supernatural when I fast, last year I, I did a pretty intense fast, and, and uh, so I did no, no food for quite a, quite a bit of time. And uh, I, I was hungry all the time, obviously. And um, I, I, at times I wonder, like, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to make it? And it was so amazing because every time I had a hunger pain, I would remind myself, God, I'm more hungry for you than I am for this. That awareness did something in me. It didn't cure my hunger, but it did increase my appetite for the Lord. This is what fasting is. It is replacing something that takes up all of this time, all the voices that are so loud in your life. Get those out so you can hear the voice of God. Fasting and prayer is about consecration. We're giving God, we talked about our offering, giving God the best and our first. This is how you do it with your time and your life. I'm giving God at the beginning of the year. I'm gonna give you my best. What does fasting do? A fast weakens the grip of your flesh, your flesh is yourself, your selfish interests, the things that you want, which is completely countercultural. If you're if you're like under twenty five in here, you're like, wait, I don't think we're supposed to deny ourselves. That, that's a lie. People don't know how where happiness comes from, and all the people that are telling you that are on medication, depressed, and hate their lives. Okay, nothing against all those things. I'm just telling you, you should never take advice from a depressed person about how to get joy. I want to see fruit in their life. I want a happy person to tell me how to be happy. I want a fulfilled person to tell me how to be fulfilled. I want a joy-filled person to... Fasting weakens the grip of your flesh. It's self-control. You know, discipline is never given as a gift. It'd be a bad gift in the first place. Thank you, Jamie, discipline. Discipline's grown, it's developed. You, you, you work it out. Fasting it weakens the grip of your flesh. It increases your discipline. A fast increases your sensitivity to God. This is what I saw happen to me as soon as I begin to cut out voices. For me, starting tomorrow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a pretty intense fast and, uh, and, and, and cut out a lot of different things out of my life, food, social media. And uh, I'll still be posting some things, updating some things, but I'm, I'm going to be totally off social media. Why? because I think those things are bad, but I'm going to eliminate every voice so I can hear the voice of God. On Vision Sunday, when we come in here and I give to you the vision for 2021, it's not going to be because I had an idea. We got together as a team like, oh, let's try to do something wild. It's going to be because I got in front of God and I canceled every other voice and I said, God, I don't have silver and gold I do not have, but what you have I need. What? Are you saying to me now? What's God speaking to you? Do you know? The voice of our culture has never been louder. And we got to silence those voices so we can hear the voice of God. A fast increases your ability to hear and to sense God. A fast gives you faith to believe. If you're having a hard time having faith for your life, fasting is exactly what you need. I don't know if it's fasting that actually supernaturally just injects faith into your life. But I think fasting eliminates the voices of doubt, which allow you to begin to meditate on the goodness of God and His faithfulness. You know, it's amazing how good your life is when you take out all of the crazy voices. It's amazing how good your life is when you turn off the news. Like, wow, we love each other. This is awesome. Man, life is so, I love 2020. And then you turn around and you're like, wait, I'm supposed to hate it. I don't know. Maybe it's time for a season of consecration so the church can be unleashed again. Maybe God's asking you to come back to a place of pure consecration and separation. Maybe God's asking you to do something extreme. Now, again, we're not trying to bend, twist God's arm to answer. We're trying to discipline our own hearts and our lives to say, God, we need you. Fasting is like a heavenly reminder. Whenever you want that social media or want that show or want that food, it's a reminder, God, I want you more. And that awareness will produce faith in your heart. F- faith. Faith. Gives you faith to believe. I wonder, for thinking about the church and talking about the church, I wonder... I wonder if the dem- being domesticated has just gotten in the way, being tamed, being ordinary, being original has gotten in the way of us experiencing God. Do you know how corporate revival happens? Personal revival. Zoo mentality is you come and I burn. Revival mentality is we come and we burn. Zoo mentality: we come, I preach. Church mentality, we come, we preach. Zoo mentality, we come, we watch the band play, put our faces against the glass and scream, we love that song. Church mentality is we come, we worship. Together, I don't need to know a song to worship. Worship is an attitude to the heart. I don't need the lights to be a certain way or the room to be a certain way to worship. I can worship outside. I can worship inside. I can worship with slow songs, fast songs, secular songs, spiritual songs. I can worship. Is the added? That's the church. We need a church that's unleashed. We need a church that meets the demands of the world. We need a church that the world looks at with wonder and amazement again. And that's going to happen when the world sees us. It sees that something's different. They were crippled. But now they're walking They were bitter, but now they're not. They were filled with unforgiveness, but now they're full of love. That transformation, friends, is the thing that makes the world stand back and say, Maybe there is something to this. But when the church looks so much like the world that you can't tell the difference besides our religious association, then the church has become domesticated and tame. There should be some element of of passion and of power. There should be some element of life and the supernatural. There should be some element of life change and testimony. There should be something about the church that makes the world say, "That's, that's different. Acts chapter 4 verse 20 says as for us we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. You know the problem is the church has the world has heard a lot of things from the church they just haven't seen anything. It's sad. You know we hear, we've heard a lot. We talk it. But what have they seen? Tomorrow morning is your opportunity to begin to be unleashed. Say, Pastor, this one's not on you. This one's on us. We're going to move together. We're going to pray together. We're going to fast together. You know what? The older I get, which I know some of you are like, you're not that old. I had somebody think I was in my 20s yesterday. I really appreciate that. But then I was also out with a young adult the other day and they thought I was their dad. So, I'm never going back to that Starbucks again, by the way. But as I'm getting older... You know, I used to want so many different things than I want now. Life just has a way of doing stuff to you, teaching you, training you, sometimes hurting you. What I want is I want people to feel God's presence, the reality of who He is, His healing power that nobody's outside His grace, that nobody's outside His touch. We're not doing a Dream Center to be a nonprofit, We're doing a Dream Center because hidden in every single person, It's a God-given dream. And without the grace and the love of Jesus, they'll never discover that. Silver and gold, it'll feed you for a day. But what I give you from Him will change the trajectory of your life. I'm telling you, God's drawn to every area of brokenness in our cities, in our world, and in your life. You don't have to live crippled. You don't have to live broken. You don't have to live paralyzed. God is not threatened by your dysfunction. In fact, His heart is drawn to that place, and maybe even today, we read in the very first verse, one day, maybe today is your day. I'm going to get rid of the crippling thoughts and the paralyzed emotions, and I'm going to walk out of here walking and jumping and pray. I'm telling you, somebody, I don't know who this is for, this is prophetic. Somebody in this room, you are going to leave these doors and it's going to feel like a weight has been lifted off your shoulders. I didn't didn't say in the other service, I sense it right now. By the Spirit, you have been heavy. I don't know what it is. I'm telling you, God's about to lift that burden as you walk out these doors. I prophesy to you by the Spirit of God, the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage is in this room and it breaks that bondage. It's off you and it breaks today in the name of Jesus.